Welcome to Over in Smith, a HP Lovecraft podcast where me and my friend Faith read a HP Love read the HP Lovecraft stories in mostly chronological order and release an audiobook if they aren't too boring or racist. My name is Art, and with me today is someone who's going to have a real bad night. Faith, it's me. It's because I ate too much meat. Yeah, you should have ate less meat. I just. Uh, it's so good, though. <laughs> it was just slathered with, like, a bunch of spicy stuff and chocolate. Like, it just so many spicy mole. <laughs> it, just... it actually was. <laughs> I had pepper steak for dinner. <laughs> so I did. I ate a bunch of peppers and a bunch of steak. <laughs> and it will not be pretty later. <laughs> we, uh, But we are on the last chapter of uh, The Whisperer in the Darkness. Um, and, you know, we get to have some, we get to have some funness here. Uh, to do a real quick recap, uh, the pen pal met their friend and it turns out they were talking to aliens and stuff. Yeah, like we were talking about, I'm still imagining the crab person, like, laying in bed, like in, uh, Little Red Riding Hood, like, (laughs) like, with the covers pulled up, with their little meaty claws holding them, and they're wearing, like... A nightgown. <laughs> and like one of those night hats that they used to wear. And they're like, eh, eh, eh. Oh, Wilmarth, I'm so sick. I'm sorry. Let me tell you all about aliens and how cool they are. Definitely not biased in any way. Yeah. It's, uh, but also he's trapped. Yeah. He is out in the middle of the boonies with, uh, what may or may not be an alien uh, behind a curtain telling him all about how cool space is. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I guess we're going to get into this. So, chapter eight. Do not ask me how long my unexpected lapse into slumber lasted, or how much of what ensued was sheer dream. If I could tell you that I awakened at a certain time and heard and saw certain things, you would merely answer that I did not wake then, and that everything was a dream, until the moment I rushed out of the house, stumbled upon the shed where I had seen the old Ford, and seized that ancient vehicle for a mad aimless race over the haunted hills, which at last landed me, after hours of jolting and winding through the forest-threatened labyrinths in a village which turned out to be Townshend. You will also, of course, discount everything else in my report and declare that all the pictures, record sounds, cylinder and machine sounds, and kindred evidences were bits of pure deception practiced on me by the missing Henry Akeley, and you will even hint that he conspired with other eccentrics to carry out a silly elaborate hoax, that he had... The express shipment removed at Keene, and he had noise make that terrifying wax cylinder. It is odd, though, that noise had not even yet been identified, that he was unknown at 
any of the villages near Akeley's place, though he must have been frequently in the region. I wish I had stopped to memorize the license number of his car. Or perhaps it is better, after all, I did not. For I, despite all you can say, and despite all I sometimes try to say to myself, know that loathsome outside influences must be lurking there in the half-known hills, and that those influences have spies and emissaries in the worlds of men. To keep as far as possible from such influences and such emissaries is all I ask of a life. Dear everyone, please fuck off, especially you from space. Love, Wilmarth. <laughs> it's just on his, <laughs> on his door of his house, it just says no crabs allowed. <laughs> when I, also, he's assuming a lot. I know. <laughs> like, people believe people with a lot less, like, a lot less. Let's just say that. Just a lot less a of lot everything. A lot less, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's people out there, like, there's, I mean, th- look at the negative 45 cult. That's good. That's, that's the, the QAnon people. Like, there's a guy who just knows how to do Gematria badly. Bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, he doesn't do, he doesn't do numerology, like, good. No, he doesn't. <laughs> At least get into something cool like geomancy or something like that. Yeah, at least have like I mean, I mean, crystals can be like kind of mad depending on who you are. Um, but like maybe do like uh, what what maybe do like scrying like bones. Oh, bone stuff is cool. Ooh. Or gyromancy where you walk in a circle and depending on so you walk in a circle until you pass out and depending on how you fall that predicts the future. Well, you could also dowsing. Call it something else, though. So you can do dowsing. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many other cooler things to be like, I know how to add up numbers in my head, and also, I do numerology badly. (laughs) I still love that TikTok of the... It's a person that uses bones, or bone throwing, for readings. (laughs) Somebody asked, uh, NASA said we can't fuck aliens, is that true? (laughs) <laughs> and then if so is it because they're trying from experience <laughs> so the first question was was a uh was a no we cannot fuck aliens nasa is telling the truth but the second one was yes that nasa is trying to fuck aliens and that's how they know <laughs> they're like and it, it was so funny because the person doing the reading was like that is a very strong yes to the alien fucking answer <laughs> <laughs> oh it'd be hard to fuck these aliens w- would it would it let me th- yes no i'm resourceful i could find a way no no like okay you can find like i feel like traditional ways would be hard but you can find a way yeah like i think that well you know it depends on how sharp their uh their legs are speaking of when my frantic story sent a sheriff's posse out to the farmhouse. Akeley was gone without leaving a trace. His loose dressing gown, yellow scarf, and foot bandages lie on the study floor near his corner easy chair, but it could not be decided whether any of his other apparel had vanished with him. The dogs and livestock were indeed missing, and there were some curious bullet holes, both on the house exterior and some 
of the walls within. But beyond this, nothing unusual could be detected. No cylinders or machines. None of the evidences I brought in my valets. No queer odor or vibration sense. No footprint in the roads. And none of the problematic things I glimpsed at the very last. I stayed in Rattleboro after my escape, making inquiries among people of every kind who had known Akeley, and the result convinced me that the matter is no figment of dream or delusion. Akeley's queer purchases of dogs and ammunitions and chemicals and the cutting of his telephone wires were manners of record. While all who knew him, including his son in California, conceded his occasional remarks on strange studies of a had certain consistencies, conceded that his occasional remarks on strange studies had a certain consistency, solid citizens believe he was mad and unhesitatingly pronounce all reported evidence mere hoax devised with insane cunning and perhaps abetted by eccentric associates, but the lowlier country folk sustained his statements in every detail. He shooed some of these rustics, his photographs in black stone, and played the hideous record for them, and they all said the footprints and buzzings were like those described in each in ancestral legends. Again, there's he he gets so close. He gets so close. I, sometimes I, I know, and then he just like veers off, like off like, a cliff into a ravine. Like it's like the classism isn't like awful in this story. Like no. besides the beginning, like but but still, like it turns out that the people who live close and know about these things and talks about these things and have interacted with these things. Are right, and all of these city folk who look down on other people are wrong. I wonder if oh. one group might be right and the other is wrong. Like I don't know. I just, but yeah, he's getting so close. Yeah, he he gets real close, and then he just straight up veers off into a, like a ravine, just like a couple feet away, and then just gone. No, <laughs> am I maybe wrong? No, it's the people that. <laughs> have experienced this for hundreds of years that are wrong well to be fair it's it it doesn't uh it it it, it matches with how uh society goes like because people will always listen to uh to white men but not uh poor and minorities oh yep they said too that suspicious sights and sounds have been noticed increasingly around Akeley's house after he found the black stone and that the place was now avoided by everyone except the mailman and other casual, tough-minded people. Dark Mountain and Round Hill were both notoriously haunted spots, and you can find no one who had ever closely explored either. Occasional disappearances of natives throughout the district's history were well attested, and now these included the semi-vagabond Walter Brown, whom Akeley's letters had mentioned. He even came upon one farmer who thought he had personally glimpsed one of the queer bodies at flood time in the swollen West River, but his tale was too confused to be really valuable. When I left Battleboro, I resolved to never go back to Vermont, and I feel quite certain I shall keep my resolution. Those wild hills are certainly the outposts of a frightful cosmic race, 
as I doubt all the less since reading that new ninth planet had has been glimpsed beyond Neptune, just as those influences had said it would be glimpsed. Astronomers with horrible appropriateness, they suspect little. They have named this thing Pluto. I feel beyond question that nothing less than the knighted Yogoth, and I shiver when I try to figure out the real reason why its monstrous denizens wish to be known in this way at this especial time. I vainly try to assure myself that these demonic creatures are not gradually leading up to some new policy hurtful to Earth and its normal inhabitants. I'm going to be real honest, uh, they can do a lot to the current to earth right now they probably make it slightly better i know it's a fucking meme at this point like the aliens being like take us to your leader be like oh yeah they're right there do do what you want (laughs) i know that's the meme and everything but like for real fucking hell i mean it'd probably do better it's either you take them or we throw them into the caldera also they they said pluto for the first time yeah. Although Yogoth is like is is is, is, a is pretty metal, not gonna lie. And I, I don't know, like I know, and like and, and some people be like, oh, but Pluto's like Roman god for the god of the dead, and be like, yeah, but he was also like the most responsible god out of all. The, yeah, he actually <laughs> did his job. <laughs> yeah, he's like the most responsible god, and he didn't really fuck around. Well, he did. He he did rape a person. Yeah, um, he did once, which is which bad, but, but also, also at the same time. like compared to <laughs> his two brothers, Poseidon and Zeus, that's like a drop in the bucket. Yeah, but like that, like yeah, he's the only one. Like your goth is just like, well, what's that? Ooh, ooh, it's so mysterious. <laughs> Imagine if we had a different pantheon to like name ourselves. Like, what if? Okay, because like, because uh, like. What what if, what if the Romans like like really got into Egypt instead? Oh hell what yeah! If, oh my god, that would be oh like, I think. hell yeah! Yeah. Hmm. Well, they did. They literally got into each. Like one of them fucked Cleopatra, but they didn't get into like the the gods as I much. Feel I feel like guess. Cleopatra fucked them. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but. Um, and also, she she was more Greek than she was Egyptian. Yeah, but she was mostly Greek. Um, yeah. Also, every time we talk about like, oh yeah, Pluto's just like a planet that they use as a landing base. It makes me think of um, there's a YouTube horror series called Gemini Home Video, and one of the plot points is is that there's a living planet at the edge of our solar system mm. that's alive. And it's slowly consuming all the other planets. It's deeply upsetting. <laughs> I keep on like I keep on needing to be in a mood for that. Like I have it, I have it on my, I have it in my tabs. But like every time I watch it, it's like I'm not in a mood. Yeah, I'm not in the mood. It it also doesn't take that long to watch all the way through, which is kind of nice. Yeah, it's just like right now the only thing that I have um the bandwidth for is Magnus Archives because I'm listening to him again. <gasps> But, like, I'm actually going back and listening to the ones I fall asleep to because this is my Sleepy Time podcast. So, I actually get a lot more of the story because it turns out I only listened to half the episodes uh, the first time. Even though I technically played all of them. But I still have to tell the ending of that terrible night in the farmhouse. As I have said, as I have said, I did finally drop into a troubled doze. A doze filled with bits of dream 
which involved monstrous landscape glimpses. Just what awakened me, I cannot yet say. But that I did indeed wake up. At this given point, I feel certain. At first confused impression was of stealthily creaking floorboards in the hall outside my door, and a clumsy, muffled fumbling at the latch. This, however, ceased almost at once, so that my really clear impressions begins with the voices heard from the study below. There seemed to be several speakers, and I judged that they were conversationally engaged. Okay. Remember that one thing we said where um we could just slap like a paragraph of like the protagonist is jerking off? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we could do it like right, right, right in the middle of right this. Right about here. Right about here. Uh, also, the thing I wanted to say because I was just, I just re- remembered that because I was remembering the scene where we you would add it in um, Shadow Over and stuff. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> it's a similar place. Let's just say that. But I like to imagine that it was a, like one of the crab people just trying to like try to mess with the lock with its claw and couldn't get a good grip on it because <laughs> it's a fucking claw. <laughs> By the way, earlier when we were talking about alien fucking, I was was gonna be like, I swear to god, if this ends in Wilmar fucking a crab person, I'm I'm hanging it up. I'm done. I can't do it. H.P. Lovecraft has written the best story ever. Like I'll, you know what I feel like like what what uh, what we as a group of people uh, who has access to public uh, domain stuff is we should like literally just re-release them with a with them occasionally like just jerking off like Pride and Prejudice but like just you really know, churning their butter so, so someone just someone just like rubs one out you know just just Everyone's really really messing with the stick shit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like I know I remember there was one. Oh, it was uh, Pride and Prejudice. Uh, it was wait, it was Pride and Prejudice, but uh, Mister Darcy rips fat cl- cotton clouds. Um, <laughs> it just it just occasionally has them just, just like just doing a long draw of a, of a vape. <laughs> <laughs> But I feel like we should release the complete works of uh, of Lovecraft, but the protagonists occasionally jerk off. Yeah, they, and that's the full time. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know how you would describe uh, describe jerking off in a Lovecraftian style, but we'll find out. We'll find several ways no, to describe we'll it. We'll use, like, gambrel roofs and antediluvian. Yeah, we'll use all the fun words he likes to use. H oh fuck the complete HP Lovecraft collection, but all the protagonists are monster fuckers. <laughs> Why is this crap person so hot? By the time I listened a few seconds, I was broad awake, for the nature of the voices was such to make all thought of sleep ridiculous. The tones were curiously varied, and no one who had listened to that accursed phonograph would harbor any doubts of the nature of at least two of them. Hideous 
though the idea, I knew that I was under the same roof with nameless things from abysmal space. For those two voices were unmistakably the blasphemous buzzings which the outside beings used in their communication with men. The two were individually different, different in pitch, accent, and tempo, but they were both the same damnable general kind. A third voice was indubitably that of mechanical utterance machine connected to one of the detached brains in the cylinder. There was as little doubt of that as about the buzzings, for a loud, mechanical, lifeless voice of the previous evening, its inflectionless, expressionless, scraping and rattling, impersonal precision and deliberation, that had been utterly unforgivable. For a time, I did not pause to question whether the intelligence behind that scraping was the identical one which had formerly talked to me. But shortly after, I reflected that any brain would emit vocal sounds of the same quality if linked to the same mechanical speech producer. The only possible difference being in language, rhythm, speed, and pronunciation. So everything, right? Mm-hmm. So everything? Yeah, everything. Okay, cool. Okay. All the stuff. You know, just, the, just all the stuff. Everything you, know. you can think of. To complete the Eldritch colloquy. There was two actual human voices, one crude speech of an unknown and evidently rustic man, and the other suave Bostonian tones of my erstwhile guide, Noise. As I tried to catch the words, which the stoutly fashioned floor so baffingly intercepted, I was also conscious of a great deal of stirring and scratching and shuffling in the room below so that I could not escape the impression that it was full of living beings, many more than the few whose speech I could single out. The exact nature of this stirring is extremely hard to describe, for very few good bases of comparison exist. Objects seem now and then to move across the room like conscious entities, the sound of their footfalls having something about like a loose, hard surface clattering, as of contact of ill-coordinated surfaces of horns or hard rubber. It was, to use more concrete but less accurate comparison, as if people with loose, splintery wooden shoes were scrambling and rattling about on the hard, polished board floor of a nature and appearance of those who responsible for the sounds. I could not speculate. Dude, they're crab legs. They're quiet. Obviously. Have you never heard they're a little tippy tappy? Yeah. Of some little yeah. crabby legs. Yeah, like I really don't understand how you can describe the crab things not being like, oh, there's probably a crab thing yeah. over there. Oh, wow. It sounds and looks like a crab thing. What could it be? <laughs> Before long, I saw that it would be impossible to distinguish any connected discourse, isolated words, including the names of Akeley and myself. Now and then floated up, especially when uttered by the mechanical speech producer. But their true significance was lost for want of continuous context. Today I refused to form any definite deduction from them, and even their frightful effect on me was one of suggestion rather than revelation. A terrible and abnormal conclave. I 
feel certain was assembled below me. But for what shocking deliberations, I could not tell. It was curious how this unquestioned sense of the maligned and blasphemous pervaded me despite Akeley's assurance of the outsider's friendliness. With patient listening, I began to distinguish clearly between the voices, even though I could not grasp much of any of the voices said. I seemed to catch certain typical emotions behind some of the speakers. One of the buzzing voices, for example, held an unmistakable note of authority, whilst the mechanical voice, notwithstanding its artificial loudness and irregularity, seemed to be in a position of subordination and pleading. Noise tones exuded a conciliary atmosphere. The others, I could make no attempt to interpret. I could not hear the familiar whisper of Akeley, but knew well that such a sound would never penetrate the solid flooring of my room. It'd be weird if it did, <laughs> honestly. Honestly. <laughs> like, if he was stage whispering loudly enough to hear it through, like, on the on a floor above, like, you're just... <laughs> you might as well just be yelling. <laughs> yeah. I will try to set down some of the disjointed words and other sounds I caught, labeling the speakers of the words best I know, and from the speech machines I first picked up a few recognizable phrases. Brought it upon myself. Sent back the letters and the record. End on it. Taken in. Seeing and hearing. Damn you. Impersonal force, after all. Fresh, shiny, cylinder. Great God. Time we stop. Small and human. Akeley. Brain. Saying. Dot dot dot. Alathotep. Wilmarth. Records and letters. Cheap imposture. But I do have a fun fact here. Uh, some has suggested that the first buzzing voice is that of Narlothotep, the dominant leader of the creatures <gasps> and object of worship, here spoken to by another alien visitor. <gasps> so... Oh, is our boy Nyarl back? Well, I do love me a Nyarl. I love him. I miss our boy Nyarl. I do miss him. I miss We're going to get more in the, haunt, uh, in the Haunter in the Dark. Oh, you're right. I miss our squiggly boy. I want him I to do, do more too. spooky things. I can't. I can't wait. I can't yes. wait for him to just do all the squiggly things. All the squiggly things. Nagal Katsun. Harmless. Peace. Couple of weeks. Theatrical. Told you that before. No reason. Original plan. Noise can watch. Round hill. Fresh cylinder. Noises car. Well? All yours down here. Rest. Peace. Several voices at once, an indistinguishable speech. Many footprints, including the particular loose stirring or clattering, 
a curious sort of flapping sounds, the sound of an automobile starting and receding. Silence. That is the substance of what my ears brought me as I lay rigid upon the strange upstairs bed that haunted in the haunted farmhouse among the demonic hills. Lie there, fully dressed, with a revolver clenched in my right hand and a pocket flashlight gripped in my left. I became, as I had said, broad awake, but in a kind of obscure paralysis, nevertheless, kept me inert long after the last echoes of the sounds that died away. I heard the wood, deliberate ticking of the ancient kinetic clock somewhere far below, at last made out the irregular snoring of a sleeper. Akeley must have dozed off after the strange session, and I could well believe that he needed to do so. Just what to think, or what to do, was more than I could decide. After all, what I had heard beyond things which previous information might have led me to expect. Had not I known the nameless outsiders were freely admitted to the farmhouse, no doubt Akeley would have been surprised by an unexpected visit from them. Yet something in the fragmentary discourse had chilled me, immeasurably, raised the most grotesque and horrible doubts, and made me wish fervently that I might wake up and prove everything a dream. I think my subconscious mind must have caught something which my consciousness had not yet recognized. But what of Akeley? Was he not my friend? And would he have not protested if any harm were meant to me? The peaceful snoring below seemed to cast ridicule on my suddenly intensified fears. Dude, you can. It's, it's real hard to, like, snore panically. <laughs> Panic snoring. <laughs> it's just heavy breathing. I guess, I guess sleep apnea is kind of a panic snore. Oh my god, you're right. Was it possible that Akeley had imposed upon and used as a lure to draw me into the hills with the letters and pictures and phonograph record? Did those beings mean to engulf both of us in a common destruction because we had come to know too much? Again. I thought of the abruptness and unnaturalness of the change in the situation which must have occurred between Akeley's penultimate and final letters. Something, my instinct told me, was terribly wrong. All was not as it seemed. The acrid coffee I refused. Had there not been an attempt by some hidden unknown entity to drug it? I must talk to Akeley at once and restore his sense of proportion. They had hypnotized him with their promise of cosmic revelations. But now he must listen to reason. We must get out of this before it would be too late. If he lacked the willpower to make the break for liberty, I would supply it. Or if I could not persuade him to go, I could at least go myself. But surely he would let me take his Ford and leave it in a garage in Bro at Battleboro. I had noticed it in the shed, and the door being left unlocked and open now, the perils was deemed past and I believe that there was a good chance of it being ready for instant use. That momentary dislike of Akeley, which I had during and after the evening conversations, was all gone now. He was in a position much like my own. We must stick together. Knowing his indisposed condition, I hated to wake him at this juncture. But I knew that I must. 
I could not stay in this place until the morning as matters stood. I'm, I'm glad that he finally realized that this was a trap. <laughs> I can't finally now when he's 50 miles into the backwoods and he's given up all evidence that, like, something weird's happening. And he's already talked to Akeley, like, at length and been like, hmm, something weird's going on. At last, I felt able to act and stretched myself vigorously to regain control of my muscles. Arising with a caution more impulsive than deliberate, I found and donned my hat, took my valets, and started downstairs with the flashlight's aid. In my nervousness, I kept the revolver clutched in my right hand, being able to take care of both valets and flashlight with my left. Why I exerted these precautions, I did not really know, since I was even then on my way to awaken the only other occupant of the house. As I half tiptoed down the creaking stairs to the lower hall, I could hear the sleeper more plainly and noticed that he must be in the room on my left, the living room. I had not entered. On my right was the gaping blackness of the study which I had heard the voices. Pushing open the unlatched door of the living room, I traced a path with the flashlight towards the source of the snoring, and finally turned the beam on the sleeper's face. But in the next second, I hastily turned them away and commenced a catlight retreat into the hall. My caution this time, springing from reason as well from instinct, for the sleeper on the couch was not Akeley at all, but my corndom guide noise. I was about to say, but didn't didn't he leave? <laughs> did did a crap? Did a, did a crap? Drive a car? <laughs> did a car? Did, did a crap? You can't steer a car with meaty claws. You can do it. No, no, no. They had to. The car is gone. Yeah. <laughs> so did did the crabs drive the? Nearly so tempted. Because the only thing, because the only other thing it could be is that, like, one of the cylinders did somehow. <laughs> I I like either the idea of a, a crab who's just learned how to drive a car driving away. He's like one claw at ten, one claw at two. <laughs> I gotta press on the brake with my pointy foot. Or Diarlothotep driving a car is also very good. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just, I can't, like, the, I don't, but who, who took the car? Who took the car? <laughs> because he said it was a buzzing voice. Well, it could be. No, there was a part. Mm. Uh, noise See, was there, but. <laughs> but, okay. Do, do the crabs have, like, child stacking technology? You know, like, do they, do they have, like. <laughs> Do they have, like, a coat that they can all be in so they can form into an adult man? <laughs> they have to sit on a phone book when they try. <laughs> Just uh, several several large crabs in a trench coat <laughs> driving a car out of the backwoods. What's weird about that, huh? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's just, just an like, everyday occurrence in the backwoods of Vermont. Like that one that one like sentence like just completely broke all my immersion. I <laughs> just who took the car? 
it's always something little like that, too. It's always something little that you notice, and you're like, wait, that's... That makes no logical sense. It's not, well, you know, okay. crab people. It's who the fuck's driving this car. They do say, they do say that some of their agents have like a buzzing, like, quality to their voice. But like, they, I don't know. They haven't established enough of them. I, I, <laughs> it's either a bunch of crabs in a trench coat driving the car, or it's an Iarlathotep, and I will accept no other answer. I'm going to say that they, that they develop stacking technology. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's just three crabs stacked on top of each other, driving and a they car. Have those, they have those little hands that you can put on the end of your fingers. <laughs> on the end of their <laughs> Yeah. I love that idea. Those tiny, the tiny little ones. I guess <laughs> it's me, George Human Man. I love driving my automobile with my human hands <coughs> and not big meaty claws. <laughs> Just what the real situation was, I could not guess. But the common sense told me that the safest thing was to find as much as possible before arousing anyone. Regaining the hall, I silently closed and latched the living room door after me, thereby lessening the chance of awakening noise. I now cautiously entered the dark study, where I expected to find equally, rather asleep or awake, in the great corner chair, which was evidently his favorite resting place. As I advanced, the beam of my flashlight caught the great center table, revealing one of the hellish cylinders with sight and hearing machine attached, and with a speech machine standing close by, ready to be connected at any moment. This, I reflected, must be the encased brain I heard talking during the frightful conference. And for a second, I had a perverse impulse to attach the speech machine and see what it would say. Oh my god, he's so fucking dumb. Please. He's so <laughs> Dumb. Just stop being stupid. And I, w I will continue to say this. This is why white people hunt for ghosts and you don't see people of color doing it. Oh, yeah. This is how you die. 100%. This is how you get cursed. This is how you die. Why are these crap people having issues with Walmart? Like, he's very he's so easy to stupid. lure. Yeah. He's like. <laughs> He craves God. friendship. He will be there. <laughs> it must, I thought, be conscious of my presence even now, since the sight and hearing attachments could not fail to disclose the rays of my flashlight and the faint creaking of the floor beneath my feet. But in the end, I did not dare meddle with the thing. I idly saw that the fresh, shiny cylinder with Akeley's name on it which I had noticed on the shelf earlier, in the evening, which my host told me not to bother. Looking back at that moment, I could only regret my timidity and wish I had boldly caused the apparatus to speak. God knows what mysterious and horrible doubts and questions of identity it might have cleared up, but then it may be merciful that I left it alone. From the table I turned my flashlight to the corner, where I thought Akeley was, but found, to my perplexity, the great easy chair was empty of any human occupant, asleep or awake. From the seat 
to the floor trailed voluminously the familiar old dressing gown. Near it on the floor laid the yellow scarf and the huge foot bandages that I thought so odd. As I hesitated, striving to conjecture where Akeley might be and why he so suddenly discarded his necessary sick room garments, I observed the queer odor and sense of vibration were no longer in the room. What had been their cause, curiously, occurred to me, as I noticed them only in Akeley's vicinity. Then, they must have been stronger where he sat, and wholly absent except in the room, with him, or just outside the doors of that room. I paused, letting the flashlight wander about the dark study, racking my brains for explanations of the turn of affairs had taken. Akeley's just wandering, just outside, butt-ass naked. <laughs> just taken in the moonlight. Like, I mean, maybe it's just because we're reading, but, like, I feel like he's, he mentioned, uh, and he talked to someone saying, a human-like person with a buzzing voice oh. was around, like, you know, he talked to a person, he talked to a couple people who, who like, verified that. Yeah. So... Hmm. So yeah, maybe it's just because I'm reading it, and I've read this like a mo- multiple times. I feel like you would just piece together that he was never in the chair. Yeah, at some point. And that if one of the jar brain in the jars on the shelf had a brain in it, maybe the one that had Akeley's name on it would have too. Would to heaven I quickly left the place before allowing that light to rest again on the vacant chair. As it turned out, I could not leave quietly but a muffled shriek, which must have disturbed, though it did not quite awake. The sleeping sentinel across the hall, that shriek and noises still unbroken snore are the last sounds I ever heard in that morbidity-choked farmhouse beneath the blackwood crest of a haunted mountain. That focus of trans-cosmic horror amidst the lonely green hills and curse muttering brooks of a spectral rustic land. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad that uh, that cosmic horror uh, came out, and uh, you know, transition like they, you know, they're clearly happier now. <laughs> so much better. Yeah, like two years after HRT, and like they, they're almost a different person. Just completely different. It's so much happier. Uh, much more well adjusted. Like, just doing great, really. Yeah. Uh, man. It is a wonder that I did not drop flashlights, fillets, and revolver in my wild scramble. But somehow I'd failed to loose any of these. I actually managed to get out of the room and that house without making any further noise. Drag myself and my belongings safely into the old Ford in the shed and set that archaic vehicle into motion towards some unknown point of safety in the black moonless night. The ride that followed was a piece of delirium out of Poe or Rembrandt or the drawings of Dor. But I finally reached Townshend, and that is all. If my sanity is still unshaken, I am lucky. Sometimes I fear that the years will bring, especially since the new planet Pluto had been curiously discovered. As I implied, I left my flashlight 
returned to the vacant easy chair after its circuit of the room, then noticing for the first time the presence of certain objects in the seat, made inconspicuous by the adjacent loose folds of the empty dressing gown. These objects, three in number, were which the investigators did not find when they came later on. As I said on the outset, there's nothing of actual visual horror about them. The trouble was that they led one to infer, even now. I have moments of my half-doubts, moments which I half-expect the skepticism of those who attribute my whole experience to dream, nerves, and delusion. The three things were damnably clever constructions of their kind, and were furnished with ingenious metallic clamps to attach them to organic developments, which I dare not form any conjecture. I hope, devoutly hope, that they were waxen products of a master art, of a master artist. Despite what my innermost fears tell me, great God, that whisper in the darkness with its morbid odor and vibrations. Sorcerer, emissary, changeling, outsider, that hideous, repressed buzzing, and all the time in that fresh, shiny cylinder on the shelf. Poor devil. Prodigious surgical, biological, chemical, and mechanical skill for the things on the chair, perfect to the last subtle detail of microscopic semblance for identity were the face and hands of Henry Wentworth Ickley. Ooh. Yep, that's that's it. Ooh. Yeah. So, um... Somehow, like, just a face being in a jar is way worse to me than, like, a whole head. Just a face. Yeah. Don't like it. No thank you. What's not in a jar is basically, like, like one of those, like, masks, super realistic masks. Ugh. Yeah. Sorry. But yeah. I'm imagining the rubber feeling of wearing one of those. Uh, it's like no, one it's of a- those anime girl masks. Oh my god, like, I, like, if you want to talk about cosmic horror, like, real life anime girl masks make me want to, like, jump out a window. So, ooh. <laughs> I'm sorry, just an alien shows up wearing one of those. But, so, um, how, what would, what were your thoughts? I like this a lot. I feel like, um, especially with the last story we read, but even more so with this one, I feel like HP has come so far in terms of being able to write something long form, uh, and it especially shows with this. Like, this was so good. <laughs> well, I mean, you'll definitely uh, come to terms with that with the next story, Faith. Oh, gosh, I know. <laughs> Are you uh, ready to do a hundred plus uh, pages? Uh, yes, I am actually. For yeah. for no, at the mountains it's, it's, of madness, I'm ready. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like the story's so good. Oh, it's real good. I really, I really like it. Um, it's it. And you're not supposed to say this out loud. Uh, luckily, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not technically from Appalachia, so because uh, uh, I'm from Central Kentucky. But like, it's. It feels like like the haints and stuff. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, if you're in Appalachian, no matter where you're at, if you call them, if you say their name, it's calling them. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm not super suspicious, but also like you know, it's uh, just more don't want to get cursed. No thanks. Yeah. 
but uh but yeah so just like using like i feel like he gets real close to like respecting like the the wisdom i don't know if wisdom's the right word but the traditions and stories of you know more rustic people yeah that's why he gets so close he gets so close well and then it ends up backfiring because guess what they were right the whole time yeah also we will get a decent chunk of uh shadowver and smith where he does get the entire story of what's happening from them Mm -hmm. but also he is getting them drunk (laughs) so nice which could or could be bad, but the guy's, like, terrified that you speak about it, so... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, it's kind of like in a, a Color Out of Space when they call up the Arkham scientists and they're like, Yo, there's a big-ass meteor here, it's real spooky, and the Arkham scientists are like, Oh, what a bunch of country bumpkins. Like, they probably don't know what they're talking about, it's probably like a boulder. And then they show up, they're like, Oh shit, it is a meteor. <laughs> like like i'm just saying like there's a way of bringing like academic uh, an academic way of looking at things while also respecting local traditions yep and stuff like there's a way there is yeah um and you can still respect them and unfortunately uh a lot of white academics still don't know how to do this but you oh, know god i know Ugh. yeah um but, but yeah, yeah, I love this. I feel like I feel like one of the biggest problems HP has with the longer stories is that he, he doesn't know how to pace them or yeah. he paces like certain parts in like the wrong way. Like the parts that are really boring go on for too long and the parts that are like exciting are too short or feel like they're too short. I feel like the pacing for this was just right at all yeah. the parts. Yeah, like um you know, it's 60-something pages or so. Mm-hmm. I don't really feel like there was a lot of wasted space in this. No. I will say that just the, the directions, maybe a little bit. Yeah. But, but yeah, uh-huh. I, feel like, I feel like it's really well-paced. And I really hope it carries on into Ma- uh, Mountains of Madness. Although, I will tell you that the first chapter is mostly about uh, how they got their stuff into the Antarctic. So, Ooh. <laughs> which is... Listing a bunch of operational stuff, I know that. Okay, so, I can deal uh, with that. I mean, it's it's kind of whatever. Yeah. Also, I can't wait for him to describe penguins. It's going to be so great. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, but but yeah. So I guess we should do HP Listcraft. Yeah. Do you have the thing? A listomania. Think less, but see it grow. Fun thing about it is we won't do this for a long time. I know, for at even least a longer. few months. Dirty. At least a few months. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, first off, this is going pretty high up there. Oh, definitely. Would you say top twenty? Mm, definitely. Top fifteen? Just, mm, let me see. <sighs> yeah. Top ten. See, top ten is real gonna be real hard. I know. <laughs> like, we we may get it with Shadowver and Smith. It's been a while since I actually read read it all the way through. Yeah. So you might find some faults. Yeah. But like I have very little faults with any of these. Uh tree from beyond. I kinda wanna put it below the festival. 
or below from be I want to put it around the festival and from beyond. Yeah, I agree. Do I like it more than Pikmin's model? <sighs> um Pikmin's model's pretty good. Um jeez. Picture in the house? I'd I, say it's better than well, no. Mm. See, Picture in the House is only high up is like it's one of the best like building dreads. I'd say it's better than Picture in the House. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Let's let's put it below Pikmin's model. Okay, I like that's a good spot for it. So it's at number fifteen exactly. Yeah. Okay, so just to recap, uh so should I go from number one or number ten? Let's go from number one. Okay, so at the very top of our list, of course, is the classic Dagon. Number two is Color Out of Space. Number three is Nyarlathotep. Number four is Call Cthulhu. Number five is Memory. Number six is The White Ship. Number seven is The Statement of Randolph Carter. Number eight is Ex Oblivion. Number nine is The Silver Key. Number ten is The Tree. Number eleven is The Cats of Ulthar. Number twelve is From Beyond. Number thirteen is The Festival. Number 14 is Pikmin's Bottle. And then number 15 is now The Whisper in the Darkness, which is right above the picture in the house. Okay. Noise. Yes, very noise. Um... All right. Well, this has been uh, over at Innsmouth. And remember, you are an irreplaceable gash in the fabric of reality. Your keening static howl is like no other. And if it faded from the abyss, the void that would remain would be unfillable. And the mansions of silence would forever fill with our lament. Okay, bye. Bye. You want a taste of my brain? Okay, it's yours anyway. A bite of my eye. Alright, I won't put up a fight. How about today? You try eating someone else for a change. Because the way things are going, I won't last another day. As you open up my ribs, the blood flows out like a river. You strip my bones.